to be with you guys this morning. I hope you're doing well. Uh, before I begin, I want to just uh, share with you something Liz is going to share during the announcements, but today's a sweet day in the life of Martha Bowman. We're going out to Lake Tobasovsky. Uh, I want to invite you guys to come be a part of that church-wide picnic from 3 o'clock to 7 o'clock at Claystone Park. Now, weather permitting, we're going to meet, and the weather not permitting, we're still going to meet. So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and do it. Uh, we decided not to do a rain date. We're just going to be out there from 3 to 7. So 3 o'clock, people are going to gather. We're going to just have fun, fellowship. But at 5 o'clock is when we're going to have our meal. So we got some guys that are going to be cooking the hot dogs and hamburgers and the veggie burgers. So if you like veggie burgers, uh, that's an option for you. Uh, guys are going to be cooking some corn. But we're asking the church to bring a covered dish, just something that you can add to all the goodies, uh, enough to share with some folks. And uh, we'll just fellowship around a good meal, uh, but we'll be through at 7 o'clock. Now, the youth have something really special from 7 to about 8.30. They're going to be back at the church in the youth wing, and they're going to have a night of worship. So uh, we're going to be just enjoying praising God and singing and, and just having some great time uh, with the youth. Uh, they just went on a mission trip, uh, a one-day kind of excursion of the day, and had a great time. It was uh, just good to see the pictures of that experience. So uh, anyway, it's going to be a big, big day for us, and I'd love to invite you to come out. When you come to Claystone, just um, tell the person at the, at the booth that you're with Martha Bowman. They're going to get a head count. We're going to pay for the entrance, but you're going to go to Pavilion 207, 207. So you just go down the hill and wind around by the lake, and it's up there near the, near the beach there. So i uh, love to invite everybody to come. This is an opportunity to invite a friend. So if you've been thinking, man, I, I wish a friend of mine or a coworker or a neighbor would be uh, part of the, the Martha Bowman family uh, and you hadn't had a chance to really invite them to church or you think it might be a little intimidating for them to come to church uh, not that we're intimidating hopefully that we're not don't ever feel intimidated uh, but sometimes it's tough but uh, this will be a great event to to invite them to just to hang out and just just for some fellowship so uh, that's why we do some of these events like that so you can invite your friends and and let them be a part of what's going on so I uh, hope that'll work for your schedule today if not we're gonna be doing these kind of things throughout the year uh, rain or shine we're gonna be out there so come on uh, bring your bag chair or your chair that will also be good well uh, thank you for letting me do that uh, uh, public announcement and uh, uh, we're hoping to have a great turnout well we're in the book of Mark and we're looking at some of the experiences of the life of Jesus this summer and so last week uh, Fran was in, in Mark chapter 6 and I'm gonna stay in Mark chapter 6 so if you got your bulletin if you'll open it up we're gonna begin uh, reading in verse 7 uh, these were um, some of the scriptures that Fran kind of talked about a little bit last week, but I'm going to go on and see what else happened uh, in the life of Jesus and some things we can glean from his life. But in uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 7, uh, And Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over the unclean spirits, and he instructed them that they were to take nothing for their journey except a mere staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but they were to wear sandals, and he added, do not wear two tunics. And then he goes on to give some more instructions, uh, and he says, you know, verse 11, if, if they don't welcome you into their town or into their home, and they don't listen to you, this is what Fran mentioned last week, quietly withdraw, this is the message translation, don't make a scene, shrug your shoulders, and be on your way. Now, that's not in your notes, but that was from last week. Uh, so, so he said, you know, don't make a big deal of it. Just, just shrug your shoulders, you know, and, and go on in peace. And she talked about having either a heart of war or a heart of peace. 
And this idea that you see this in Jesus' instructions here, it's, it's like there's this heart of peace. You're spreading the gospel, you're loving people, you're casting out demons, you're taking care of folks. And if they listen, great. If they don't listen, it's on them. Uh, but don't make a big deal out of it. Just love them and, and, and move on. Uh, verse 12, he said, it says, And they went out and preached that people were to repent, um, and they began to, to minister. Uh, there's a whole section there from 12 to, to verse 29 where... Uh, the writer talks about John the Baptist and, and how he passed, how he was, was beheaded. Uh, so there's a whole section there. And then it comes back. The reason we're picking up on verse 30 is because that's where it picks up on the thread of the story that we're, that we're talking about. The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. And then in parentheses, for there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Verse 32, and they went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. That word secluded means uninhabited or solitary. So they, they were sent out. So this happens in this gospel account right after Jesus goes to Nazareth, and he's preaching and teaching in the synagogue, and, and folks aren't listening to him and that kind of thing. And, and how did he respond to them? Fran was preaching last week. You know, he didn't come out and harsh he didn't rebuke them he didn't say you know uh you know you guys should be listening to me that kind of kind of thing but he he cared for them and he had a heart of peace uh so this is on the heels of that he sends out his 12 disciples by groups of two and said man go and preach go into all the place uh teach and preach and and heal the sick and, and take care of folks um and then when they came back to tell him what had happened he said here's what i need you to do and want you to do and i think it's important for you to do and that is for us to go away and rest for a while let's go to a secluded place because we find out that the environment they were in was so hurried so busy so so much happening so many people coming and going they didn't even have time to eat now let me ask you this have you ever been in a season in your life where you've been so busy so many things on your plate so much going that you have to skip meals or you catch a meal on the fly or you just you life gets so busy so hurried that you you don't have time to even eat. Uh, that's the situation that they, they face themselves in. And so the sermon this morning is, is, is called A Beautiful Rhythm. And you see in the life of Jesus that he had this beautiful rhythm of life that Almighty God instituted when he created the heavens and the earth. And we see this in the book of Genesis. There were six days that God created everything. And then on the seventh day, God rested. And it's not because he needed to rest that God, God was so exhausted. It was, oh, my gosh, you know. God never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never gets tired. You can't exhaust the power and the energy of God. But he said, I'm going to model for my creation this rhythm that I want you to live in. I want you to work hard, and I want you to be active. But then I want you to have times when you're resting, where your soul is being restored, where your, your power, your, your spirit is being rejuvenated. And this beautiful rhythm is seen all throughout the life of Jesus. Jesus was probably one of the most active people that you can read about. I mean, you read about the crowds that followed him and the, and the, and the pressure that was on him and the, and, the, and, the, and the desire for people to spend time with him. And think about the results of his three-year ministry and how it's changed the world for all eternity. So very productive, very active. But he was never hurried. You never see Jesus anxious. There's never this spirit of anxiety with him. Even though he was very productive and very active and, and demands on his time were, were extensive, 
He had this beautiful confidence and this beautiful flow and this beautiful rhythm of life. And many times we, we miss that. There's a, a man named Dallas Willard. He passed away in 2013, and he uh, was a professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California for years and years. He's a Christian writer, and he's been you know, writing in, 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 in Christian theology and different things like that. Well, there's a minister who uh, was kind of being mentored by Dallas Willard, and his name was, is John Oberg. And uh, John Oberg is a, a pastor uh, out in California, uh, he used to be at Willow Creek in Chicago. But anyway, in one of the meetings that they had, um, John asked him this. He said, what do I need to do to become the me I want to be? So here's this minister, very successful, serving large churches. He comes to one of his, his mentor and he says, what do I need to do to, come the, to become the me that I want to be? You know, I've got this desire to be this great man of God and this leader, and, and, and I've got this platform to be able to do that. And, and how do I become this man that I know God's calling me to be, that, that I envision that I'm supposed to be, that I'm not right now? How, what do I do? Because he respected Dallas Willard, because he understood the, the insight that he had, this is what he responded to uh, that question by saying this. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Dallas Willard said to John, he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So he wrote that down. <laughs> and then he said, well, well, what else do I need to do? And Dallas looked at him and said, he said, if you'll do that, then you'll become the person God's created you to be. Because hurry is one of the great enemies of intimacy with God. Hurry is one of the great enemies of our ability to love. Hurry and busyness and being overwhelmed and, 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 and just so involved with so many things is a great enemy of our ability to have peace and our ability to care for one another. It's the great enemy of our spiritual life in our day to day. Um, when I think about the parable of the Good Samaritan, this man has been beaten up by these robbers. He's, he's had his you know, life almost beaten to death and, and, and robbed, and he's left on the side of this road that goes from two cities uh, alone. And Jesus says that different people pass by, and they don't do anything to help him. And then finally, the Samaritan passes by and helps him. And, and as you look at the different people, the Levite, the Pharisee, you think, well, why didn't Jesus tell us the reason for these men not stopping to help? So you're left to speculate, you know, why, why didn't they stop? And so people say, well, you know, the Old Testament says if, if they touch a corpse, then they're not fit to serve. And you know, there's all these things. I've always thought if I was in that parable and I was one of these people that passed by and I saw this guy laying, would I stop? And my answer is, depending on what I had to do, isn't that selfish? But it's my reality. And if I was late for an appointment, or if I was on my way to somewhere, or if I had a deadline or something like that, I'm less inclined to stop and do something for someone else. 
Now, in that parable, this poor guy is half dead, so your empathy goes out for him. But, but if you're so, and I'm so busy and so hurried and so overtaxed with commitments, we are less inclined to do those things uh, that really might be the most important thing for us to do. Does that make sense? So I've looked at myself in that parable and thought, man, I, I would hope I would have stopped. But if I was supposed to meet this person or had this commitment, would I, would I have stopped? I, you know, I don't know. That, that is one of those great enemies of our, our relationship with God. Corrie Tin Boone, you remember her from uh, being uh, in the concentration camps and then after she was released, uh, did great Christian ministry. She said this, if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. So we're tempted in all kind of ways to, to break our relationship with the Lord and not have this relationship with the Lord. And, and many times what breaks that is our poor decisions, our, our sinfulness. So he's trying to trip us up in that way, get us to have a bad habit or all these kind of things that, that break our relationship. But, it, but if we overcome those temptations, the next strategy he's implying is that he'll, he'll get you active. He'll get you busy. He'll, he'll, he'll say yes to all these things, and you'll be so overtaxed with commitments. Then your relationship, our relationship with God, begins to suffer. So what ends up happening is uh, the more busy, the more hurried, the more uh, overloaded we become, then the tendency we have, most of us, is that God gets put on the margin because we got all these other things we're doing. I remember growing up thinking it was cool if I had places to go and people to see and things to do, you know, and the, and the more involved I was, the more active I was, the, the, the more successful I would be, you know, so I've got places to go, you know, checking your watch, you know. Uh, but when that begins to be our lifestyle, begins to be our culture, begins to be what drives us, God begins to get put on the margin. And when God is put on the margin and, and off to the side, then, then our relationship with him suffers. And as it begins to deteriorate, then we start becoming more vulnerable to those things that are, cause us to be in difficult situations um, and feeling more alienated from God and then more uh, susceptible to, to, to bad things and it just becomes worse and worse and worse it's a downward spiral and so love um, takes time doesn't it love has a beautiful rhythm has a beautiful time think about if you're married think about the time that you spent with your spouse before you got married you spent probably a lot of time with them hanging out with them going to movies talking on the phone or whatever it might have been that you did um, and in that time that you spent with them, you began to develop an appreciation for them and, and a, a caring for them. And they began to care for you and nurture you. And you began to realize that, that's, gosh, that's, uh, out of all the people I know, this is the person I want to spend all my time with if I have that opportunity to do so. But it takes time. And if we're so consumed with all of these things that go on, um, our love for God, our time with God is squeezed and, and we don't experience that John Wesley uh, you know the, the one that we look to as one of our founder fathers of Methodism said this I cannot live in the kingdom of God with a hurried soul we, we, we can't live in the kingdom of God when we've got this hurried soul when we're so driven so you know 
And it's not that we don't accomplish things. Amen. Jesus was the most accomplished person there is. And so, but there's this tendency we have in our culture today to be so busy, so hurried, so anxious, so, so driven that, that, that this beautiful rhythm of life that God wants to, to experience that Jesus models so well, we don't do it. We're just running from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And I'm so glad that you're here this morning because you're, you take time during your week to come and worship, to come and sit, to come and let God pour into you, to come and say, God, I want to honor you with my life. And so I'm, I'm going to gather with other believers or folks that come who might be inquiring about the things of God. The person next to you might not even know Jesus, but, they, but they've come to say there might be something about this spiritual experience, this Christian thing that, that I, that I want to learn about it. But whatever it might be, you're, you're allowing God to minister to you. You're slowing down your hurried pace. And God said that's what we have to have to have rest for our soul and to rejuvenate our spirit and to, and to be a part uh, of what is healthy in our rhythm. Um, in Luke chapter 10, uh, we read a story about Jesus going to visit a dear family that he loves very much, Lazarus and his sisters Martha and Mary. And as we read about this story, we see that Martha was distracted, verse 41 of chapter 10, with all of her preparations. Now that word distraction, distracted means that she was drawn away, she was overoccupied, she was too busy. And so, I'll, you know, if I put myself in Martha's position, if Jesus is coming to my house, you better believe, Fran and I, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to make sure I have the, the lawn cut. Isn't that right, Perry? I'm going to be working on the lawn. Okay, so when he, when he drives up, it's going to be, whoo, you know, you know, Fran's going to make sure she's cut fresh flowers and there's fresh flowers in the vases and we're going to make sure the food is right. I mean, there's a lot of preparations that have to go into to, truly hosting someone that you value very highly, that you respect very much. This wasn't the only time Jesus spent with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He, he would constantly go to the house when he would go to Jerusalem. And so it's not like this is the first impression or this is the only time Martha has an opportunity to, to, to let Jesus see how good of a homemaker she is. It, this, it isn't. But in this situation, we see that Martha is distracted. And we find out that she goes and tells Jesus to, to do something. I want you, Jesus, to tell my sister Mary to help me with all of these things that need to be done. And they need to be done. And this is Jesus' response. Uh, this is verse 41 of chapter 10 of the book of Luke. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered by so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, verse 39, we find out what that good part was. It says that Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, was listening to his word. Now I guarantee you, Mary was helping Martha before Jesus got there. I, just no, no doubt about that. She wasn't a slacker. She wasn't lazy. But when Jesus gets there, as I read this story, and I have to read between the lines, and he's saying hey to everybody, and they're hugging necks and all that stuff, and then when he sits down and he starts speaking, Mary 
makes a conscious choice to stop helping Martha, to put that aside, not be so distracted with it, and to spend time, T-I-M-E, which when we're hurried is an enemy of love, to spend time sitting at Jesus' feet. And I think it's a model of this rhythm of life that, that Jesus is saying, Martha, there's nothing wrong with making sure everything's prepared. And I'm glad you do that for me. It, it makes me feel like you love me. Mark McGonney translation reading between the lines. <laughs> um, but here's what I'd rather you do. I'd rather you put that aside for a little while and just spend some time with me. And I'll get up and I'll help you finish up these things. And you know what? I'll do the dishes with you afterwards. And, but, but don't let those important things that are not the most significant in this time keep you from what is the most important. Keep you from filling your soul with spending time with me. Because I'm going to minister to you. And I'm going to care for you, Jesus would say. And I'm, I'm going I'm to bless you. But when we get so hurried and so distracted and we get so busy doing these good things, or not that you're doing bad things, it's not that I'm doing bad things, but when the time comes to sit at Jesus' feet in this rhythm of our life, what happened to Martha happens to us, right? We stay busy with what those things are. And there's always usually a connection to Christianity, a connection to the church, a connection to God, because it was, she was hosting him, he was going to be the beneficiary of all our hard work but doing those things for God and spending time with God are two different things and, our, and our, our love for God is seen in our service no question about it but if we don't come away like Jesus said with his disciples you've been out working hard you've been out doing the things of ministry you've been out caring for other people you've been out proclaiming the word of God with a heart of peace like Fran talked about not a heart of war you've been doing all those things now now it's time now we need to realize what's important is to get away for a while and rest and spend time with me Jesus would say and just be prepared to go back out and keep doing those good things amen so it's this rhythm of life and we many times don't get it right because we spend way too much time doing 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 and uh you know david i, I appreciate chick-fil-a i mean you guys don't open on sunday and, it, and, and what it speaks to me is uh, there's an honoring. Now, I'm not saying if somebody who's open on Sunday, you're doing bad. Don't get me wrong. But the bottom line is, as a corporation, you guys have said, you know what? We're going to give one day and let our folks do what they need to do, whether it's go to church, rest. And that rhythm is a part of God's creation. And you guys are modeling that. So thank you. Um, and, it, and it means that you say yes to something, but you're saying no to a lot of other things. Amen. There's a lot of things out there. But when you say yes to spending time with God or yes to pulling away for a while or yes to, to, to sitting at Jesus' feet like Mary did, you're saying no to some other things. And we got to realize that. And we can't let the things we're saying no to pull us or guilt us into stopping that time with God. 
because these things have to be done. And God says, you know what, if you'll give me that time and you'll live in this rhythm, I'm going to allow you to be more productive with the other time that you have that you're given to work, given to ministry, given to serving, given to fulfilling your obligations because you've honored me and you've rested and you've spent time with me. Amen? So it's, it's, a, it's a belief in trusting in the Lord. Um, so this beautiful rhythm of life, this unhurried lifestyle is something that it really can be foreign to us in the Western world. So my encouragement for us this morning is to let's just let's learn from Jesus and let's allow this rhythm to be a part of our world. Because we've kind of come out of this season of COVID, we're, we're still in it to a, bit, a degree, but, but things are picking back up and things are getting a little bit more pre-COVID. So my encouragement for us as I conclude is this, let's be careful with what we start putting back on our plate now that things are available to do again, amen? Now that we're able to, to do more things. And if pre-COVID you were worn out and exhausted at the end of the day and you're, you were grumpy and all that kind of stuff, and you had a, not everybody had that season. Some people worked furiously during that time. But I guess my point is, for those that can start getting back to a rhythm, let's not put too much on our plate and let's not live a hurried lifestyle. Let me conclude with uh, a quote by John Mark Comer. Uh, some of this comes from a book he wrote, um, Eliminating Hurry from Our Life. It's, it's this Dallas Willard quote, uh, but it's the ruthless elimination from hurry. And this is what he said. He said, all my worst moments, can you think of that? Your worst moments, okay. He said, all my worst moments as a father, a husband, a pastor, even as a human being, are when I'm in a hurry, late for an appointment, behind on my unrealistic to-do list, trying to cram too much into my day. He said, I ooze anger, tension, and critical nagging, the antithesis of love. So as he, looked back, as he looks back over his life, and he's, he's, he's ruthlessly began to eliminate hurry from his life, and he wrote a book about it. He's saying, if I look back over my life, the worst times that I've been, and he lists all these different things, was when I was hurried and bothered and overcommitted, and, and the people that got the worst of me many times were the people that we love the most.